In the 1920s, a 17-year-old made a startling find while exploring an archaeological site with her father in British Honduras, now Belize. She found an ancient and mystical carved crystal skull that would later be called the Skull of Doom. Is this skull a mystical and magical symbol of a lost civilization, or is it an elaborate forgery? Find out on this episode of the Mysteries of Latin America podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Mysteries of Latin America podcast. My name's Andrew Colon, and I'd like to welcome you to our program, where we tell you stories of myths, legends, and mysteries from Latin America to the whole world with tales of mysterious creatures, lost civilizations, missing persons, strange events, and unsolved mysteries of North America, South America, Central America, and the Caribbean. In this episode, we'll tell you the story of the Crystal Skull of Doom, an object shrouded in mystery, secrets, and questions. When we're all done here, you'll know all about its discovery, what the experts say, where the story stands today, and the bigger picture of how this skull is just one piece in a giant mystical jigsaw puzzle, and how it might just be one big fraud. Stay tuned and strap in, friends. And if you haven't subscribed to the Mysteries of Latin America podcast on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, Audible, iHeartRadio, or everywhere else we're spreading our stories, do it now. And you can dive into our vault of past podcasts and never miss a future episode again. It was 1924, and a young explorer named Anna Mitchell Hedges received a very special birthday present from her father to start off the new year. Her father was famed British explorer and adventurer Frederick Mitchell Hedges, but they weren't in the UK at the time. They were both in an area of the jungles in the Mayan region of what was then known as British Honduras, which today is Belize, to be part of an archaeological expedition of an area called Punta Gorda, not far from the border with Guatemala. In Punta Gorda, there was a set of Mayan ruins that were given the name of Lubantun, which in Mayan means the city of the fallen rocks. It was there under the ruins of an ancient stone altar where young Anna unearthed a very strange object that would go on to inspire New Age movements, conspiracy theories, alien visitation stories, and maybe even a hit Hollywood movie franchise. About 22 centimeters, or just shy of 9 inches in diameter, and weighing in at about 11 pounds, it was an elaborately detailed clear rock quartz crystal skull. Since its discovery, this skull has been mostly connected to the ancient Maya civilization. Some say that after them, the skull was then used as a base for crucifixes in a Catholic church when the Spanish first came to Mexico in the 1500s. Others, though, say that there's evidence that the skull was left by extraterrestrial visitors thousands of years ago, or that it's even one of the treasures left over from legendary Atlantis. And even some say it's the work of an extremely advanced civilization that once lived in the center of the Earth. Now, before we put on our pyramid hats and go down the New Age rabbit hole, let's get back to Anna and her discovery. Well, it seems that Anna wasn't able to keep the skull. Her father took possession of it, and then nothing was heard or seen about the crystal skull again until almost 20 years later, in 1943. That's the year famed London auction house Sotheby's auctioned off the crystal skull. And who bought it? Frederick Mitchell Hedges, Anna's father, for the then whopping price of 400 pounds. 
equivalent to about 23,000 pounds, or roughly $29,000 today. And it was in the year 1943 that Mr. Mitchell Hedges presented his treasure to the scientific community while World War II was going on. Evidently a keen storyteller, he told the scientists of the time that the skull was made from a single block of quartz crystal, that he'd found it in what is modern-day Belize, and that the movable jaw was found three months later nearby after the initial finding of the upper part of the skull. He called the skull the Skull of Doom. Others have called it the Skull of Destiny, or even the Skull of Knowledge. Our adventurous explorer may have floated more than one story, though. But in all of them, he said that the skull was over 3,000 years old and that it had been used by the ancient Maya as part of their magic and rituals. Back in 1943, scientists and experts of the time didn't seem too interested in the skull, as there weren't any photos of its discovery and no real documentation of it other than what Mr. Mitchell Hedges said, as unfortunately much of the evidence authenticating the skull was lost during a hurricane while they were down there. But being fair to British scientists, even though the fighting was mostly in North Africa and the Eastern Front, it was still World War II. For them, authenticating and researching a swashbuckler's treasure might have taken a backseat to simply trying to save the country and their lives during a vicious world war. Frederick Mitchell Hedges had the crystal skull for 14 years, and the lore behind it seemed to build up more and more each time he or an associate told its story. He died in 1957, and his daughter Anna inherited it and had it back with her after all these years. She kept the skull for about 10 years, and finally let the skull be studied by an independent researcher named Frank Dorland, who kept it for six years and studied it along with the Hewlett-Packard Laboratory. Dorland studied the skull extensively, leading him to create a new field of study called biocrystallography, the study of the human mind and crystal quartz, and the publication of his book on crystals, Holy Ice. Maybe you've already asked yourself the question I asked in my mind when thinking about the authentication of the skull to find out how old it was or where it was from. What about carbon dating it like they do with other archaeological discoveries? Surely that would put an end to the discussion, no? Well, grasshopper, as I would find out, that's not how science works. You see, the crystal skull is made of 100% rock quartz crystal, and you can only perform carbon dating testing on things that contain carbon. The skull is 100% silicon and contains 0% carbon, making it an excellent element in a circuit, but a poor candidate for carbon dating. So that's a bust and a reminder for me to read up on my basic science. The studies Frank Dorland did at HP's laboratory, though, did find something really unusual. They said that the piece really shouldn't exist at all. Their tests say that the skull was carved against the molecular alignment of the axis of the crystals that form the skull, meaning it was cut against the grain, which should have shattered the skull. Their tests concluded that the skull must have been carved using diamonds in a solution of silicon sand and water and took nearly 300 years to finish. Dorland studies noted that inside the skull, there's a very well-formed prism and the eye holes let light pass through the prism. 
The holes in its eyes are also concave, and when the skull is lit from below, the whole thing lights up like white fire. And now, the story gets more complicated. It seems that the skull discovered by Anna Mitchell Hedges wasn't the only ancient crystal skull in existence. A legend says that there are actually 13 skulls, carved in different types of crystals, originally of Mayan or Aztec origin, and are located in different parts of the world as part of private collections. The skulls were vital parts of rituals and ceremonies that contained vital parts of information for humanity and civilization. Many people believe that these crystal skulls possess mystical powers, including healing and divination, and that they can access ancient knowledge and communicate with higher realms, and that their full power hasn't yet been realized, as they were created by advanced extraterrestrial civilizations and hold the secrets to human existence. These claims often tie the skulls to ancient astronaut theories, which we've talked about in previous episodes on the Nazca lines in Peru and the ancient metal library in Ecuador and the search for evidence of contact with beings from other planets. Now, if you haven't heard those episodes, I invite you to check them out as soon as we're done with this one. The crystal skulls have also been associated with apocalyptic prophecies, with some suggesting that they hold information about cataclysmic events. Some of these prophecies were tied to the Mayan story about the end of the world on December 21, 2012, supposedly as depicted in the Mayan calendar. Remember that one? Since the world didn't exactly end then, maybe that's not exactly what they were talking about, and we got it wrong. These prophecies have fueled fears and speculations about the skull's role in the future of humanity. The most prominent legend says that when the 13 crystal skulls are reunited, they'll form a sort of grid around the world, and they'll reveal their secrets and ancient knowledge that's been hidden from humanity for many thousands of years. Sound familiar? Speaking of multiple crystal skulls, several skulls were found actually before the Mitchell Hedges skull. The first skull to be discovered, which was only two and a half centimeters tall or about an inch, was acquired in 1856 by British banker Henry Christie, who sold it to the British Museum. The museum still owns it, but curiously enough, doesn't have it on display. And in 1878, French explorer Alphonse Pinart, who owned three crystal skulls he exhibited as being from the Aztec culture, donated them to the Trocadero Ethnographic Museum in Paris, and in the same year of 1878, two more skulls, were exhibited by French antiquities dealer Eugene Boban. Remember the name Eugene Boban for later. But European museums and dealers weren't the only ones finding, selling, and exhibiting ancient crystal skulls in the late 1800s. The Museum of Anthropology here in Mexico bought two crystal skulls from a Mexican collector to display as part of their exhibit of Aztec and Oaxacan objects. And then, it was finally time for the Smithsonian to get in on the act. In 1886, the Smithsonian Institute acquired a crystal skull from collector Augustin Fischer, who was the secretary of Emperor Maximilian of the European Habsburg dynasty in Mexico. But years later, after analyzing it extensively, the Smithsonian later exhibited it as part of a collection of famous fakes, and then it mysteriously disappeared in the 1970s. 
And all of this was before our young Anna discovered her crystal skull under the ruins of a temple altar in the Mayan jungles of British Honduras. Believers say that it was destiny that brought these skulls to light, so to speak. Skeptics say that it was dishonest dealers cashing in on the trend for owning ancient relics from Mesoamerica by offering up a bunch of fakes. Now, with all the access to information, technology, and investigative techniques we have at our disposal today, what do we know about Anna's crystal skull? And maybe more importantly, her and her father's story of the skull. First, let's dive back into Anna's story. Investigation and research has shown that the story of Anna finding the skull in the ruins of an ancient Mayan temple might also not be 100% accurate. It seems that Anna and her father Frederick loved to tell a good story, but unfortunately it seemed to change a little each time they told it. The year Anna found the skull changed from either 1924, 1926, 1927, 1928, and even the 1930s, depending on whether Anna or Frederick told the story and how it might fit their purposes, it seems. Research shows that Frederick was indeed in Lubantun, British Honduras then and Belize today, back in 1924 and 1925. There's a mention of him being there with his traveling companion, a certain Lady Richmond Brown. Side note, Lady Richmond Brown was actually married to someone else who sued her for divorce and named Frederick in the suit. She financed Frederick's travel to British Honduras. In 1931, Frederick wrote a book called Land of Wonder and Fear, about his travels to the world of the Maya, saying that the group of people who first discovered Lubantun were Lady Richmond Brown, amateur archaeologist Dr. Thomas Gann, and himself. They even mentioned a pet monkey they had to put down when he got sick. And no, no mention of Anna. No mention of a crumbled stone altar. No mention of a crystal skull. So which is it? And how do we account for the years between finding the skull and then having to buy it back at auction? Well, daughter Anna had an answer for that gap of years. She said that after the first expedition to Lubantun, her father got short on money to mount another trip back there. A certain London art dealer named Sidney Burney lent him the money to go, and Frederick gave him the skull as collateral for the loan. But that all changed after Frederick was back in England, claiming that he found the skull in Belize and that it was rightly his. That prompted Bernie to sell the skull. Before they could sell it to someone else, though, Daddy came through with the money plus interest and got the skull back and Bob's your uncle. Or maybe not. According to the Archaeology Archive, an online publication of the Archaeological Institute of America, that's not the real story. As Anna mentioned just a minute ago, Sidney Burney was involved, but he wasn't holding the skull as collateral. In 1936, Sidney Burney was the one who brought the skull to the British Museum for analysis. At that moment, it was called the Burney Skull, and it was compared with their supposedly Aztec skull they got in 1898. It turns out that the museum got their skull in 1898 from who else? Tiffany and Company in New York City and Tiffany got it from French antiques dealer Eugene Boban, who we mentioned earlier as selling his collection of Mexican artifacts. 
Bernie got his skull in 1933, as documented in a letter he wrote to the American Museum of National History that same year. Still with me? Today, no one is sure where or who Bernie got his skull from, but it also allegedly came from Mexico, as it was similar to the one the British Museum already had. Bernie had the skull from 1933 until 1943, and the whole time he was actively trying to sell it. His whole idea of bringing the skull to the museum originally might not have been to have it studied. He more than likely took it there to see if the museum wanted to buy it. Evidently, they did it, so he sat on it for 10 years and finally sold it at Sotheby's on October 15, 1943, to Frederick Mitchell Hedges for 400 pounds, and there's documentation to prove it. While there was mention of the sale in the newspapers, Anna's father Frederick didn't make any real sort of public announcement of the purchase at the time. But he did tell his brother about the skull, how it was made from rock crystal, dated before 1800 BC, took an estimated five generations to make, and that there was only one other like it known to exist in the world in the British Museum. But of course, the one in the museum was not as fine as his. And there was no mention of Anna for getting it while in the jungles of what is modern-day Belize. Daddy Frederick's public story about the skull might have been slightly influenced by a popular adventure story written in 1936 by Jack McLaren called The Crystal Skull, a story about an explorer in New Guinea who steals a crystal skull with magic powers that allows the holder of the skull the ability to know everything about a person's life, and even mentions the popularity of the crystal skull already in the British Museum. But that story is likely based on the real story of a skull reportedly from an Aboriginal tribe from Papua New Guinea, which today goes by the name Synergy and is in the current care of an American collector in Arizona. So, it's art imitating life, imitating art, imitating life, and so on, 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 and so on. Frederick then repeated a suspiciously similar story in his own adventure biography called Danger, My Ally, in 1954, nine years after he had reacquired the skull from Sotheby's. As for Anna, after her father's passing, she was the skull's caretaker for 60 years and passed away at the age of 100 in 2007, many saying her longevity was in part due to the healing powers of the skull. For the last eight years of her life, her caretaker was a man by the name of Bill Homan, whom she married when she was 92 and he was in his 50s. Homan is the current guardian of what has been come to known as the Mitchell Hedges Crystal Skull, and he travels to different parts of the world exhibiting the skull. But he no longer calls it the Skull of Doom. He now calls it the Skull of Love. In 2007 and 2008, Homan lent the skull to the Smithsonian Institute for testing. They subjected the skull to CT scans and scanning electron microscope testing and came to the conclusion that the artifact in question was probably carved near the year 1930, 1930, and that it and the others can't be any older than 150 years old, most likely carved in European glass workshops. 
Now, despite the evidence debunking their mystical origins, the Mitchell Hedges skull and the other crystal skulls continue to captivate the public's imagination. They've been talked about in pseudo-documentary TV shows, thousands of videos on YouTube, podcasts like this one, and other internet rabbit holes, and they keep on captivating people's imaginations. Now, in all fairness to the skulls, if you see images or videos of Anna's skull and the others, they're pretty amazing works of art, regardless of their dubious origins. Their intricate carvings and the translucent crystal make them visually stunning and appealing to collectors and enthusiasts. Looking into them is like staring into fire. The New Age movement still embraces the idea of the crystal skulls and imitations of them as tools for meditation, healing, and spiritual enlightenment, and they still continue to play a role in spiritual practices and rituals. The crystal skulls have even made appearances in pop culture, and despite the fact that Steven Spielberg and George Lucas deny that the story influenced the movie Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I still have my doubts. If one thing's been true through the ages, it's that people love a good story, and sometimes the wilder, the better. The mystery of the Crystal Skulls is a story of intrigue, legend, and controversy. While scientific investigations have cast doubt on their ancient origins, they're still wildly alluring. These artifacts continue to be a symbol of our fascination with the unknown, and in an age of technology and AI, the enduring power of myth and legend. And that's what we're all about here on the Mysteries of Latin America podcast. We bring you a taste of some of the strange, superstitious, surreal myths, legends, and mysteries of Latin America for the whole world to know about. Friends, I thank you so much for your time listening to the story of the Crystal Skull of the Ancient Maya, and I invite you to check out our vault of previous episodes to catch up and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can do that on Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts. The list is always growing, and that is thanks to all of you. Again, gracias, my friends. I'm Andrew Colon. Adios. Thank you.